This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Uh, Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group, episode 44. Glad you're with us today. This first segment is sponsored by our friends at Rick Perrette and Perrette Moy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perrette and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Perrette and Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. Mark Potter and Mike Bradley alongside. And, yeah, it's... Uh, Week two of the high school football season in the books. Uh, yeah, and going into week three. Wh- yeah. Where is the time going here? It's flying by. <laughs> we, well, I just did a preview show the other day, I thought. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is crazy. flying by. This week, um, in week two, it seemed like 42 was the magic number. It was for a couple of teams, you're right, Three. referring to Easton, yeah. Kent Island, and who was the other? Oh, was uh, Wicomico. And Decatur. And Decatur, Decatur was forty-two nothing. Well, so was Wicomico. Yeah, so four. So make that four. Yeah, yeah. So you go back to Thursday night. Wicomico beat North Carolina forty-two nothing. Easton beat Kent County forty-two-seven. Kent Island beat Colonel Richardson forty-two-seven. Indian River lost to Decatur forty-two nothing. The only other two games that were played. Uh, you had Cambridge scoring mm-hmm. 48 on Snow Hill, 48-12 right. on Thursday. Yep. And then uh, Parkside beating Bennett 35-12. Right. And then no Queen Anne's Washington. Yeah, that right. one was a uh, forfeit, which we'll get that in. That was two to nothing. Yeah. So there's well, a two. Well, a safety. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that coming up uh, before this one's up here on episode 44. Uh, I want to start with... The, uh, the our Preston Ford game of the week that we did on Friday night, uh, Colonel Richardson playing host to Kent Island, a game that was originally scheduled to be played at Kent Island, but because the county waited so long to put a track in, they figured, you know, why not do it at the end of August? It's a great time. Um, you know, instead of doing it early in the summer, um, you know, when nobody was using the field. Um, yeah, but so that game was shifted to Colonel Richardson and as I said in the opening of that, I mean, on paper, Ken Island was a better team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Colonel Richardson, while they have some players, a lot of their players are young. They lost a lot of kids last year. They did. Uh, they have a huge offensive line, though. If you just go by the numbers, that doesn't automatically mean that they're extremely skilled or experienced or, right. you know, that, that all takes time. But where I'm going with this yeah. is they put up a fight. Those kids never quit. Right. The entire game. They lost 42-7. They were overmatched. But there were some folks making comments on our Facebook page. Oh, I, I did see that. And I'm glad. I thought you might bring that up. But I didn't I didn't bring it to your attention. But I figured you saw yeah, it at some point. I, yeah. I did. And yeah. I actually went back in to delete some of those stupid-ass comments. But I, they were gone. And, and I didn't get to see them anymore. But my point is, James Jackson and his staff over there. Well, they've been there a while, you know, as assistants and such, but James took over from Dan Mangum. Right, last season. They they do a great job with those kids. And and I think you have people that are commenting like, well, they're not a very good coaching staff. They need to do this. Okay, for, for what? Why? Because what are they doing wrong? 
Well, and there has to be some context put into it as well. And and somebody did point out, I mean, they're coming off an historic year. They're a program that languished for a long time. But then slowly but surely, they started to build themselves up, Mark. And each year along the way, we saw progress being made. And, yeah, are they really competitive against 2A or 3A teams? No. But have they improved vastly against 1A teams and teams of similar caliber? Absolutely. And we saw the Zenith last year with them winning the 1A for the first time since 80 or 80 one beating Cambridge for the first time in I think 14 or 15 years something to that extent uh, so it's all within context uh, and yeah I'm not sure where one of those uh, uh, commenters were really coming from w- with any of that quite frankly well the thing is that you know listen yes a couple of those coaches are paid to coach and but they're not paid handsomely no you know no. It, it's it's to be a high school sports coach period you're well well underpaid Unless you're in Wycombe, I mean Worcester County. I mean, you know, they they get, you know, Jake and company down there, they get paid pretty well. But, you know, I mean, I I want people to realize that if you can think you can do a better job, put your damn name in. Sure. Don't sit sit behind a keyboard and and bash what's there when they're given everything they got, you know, and and they want to sit there and and bash them. Well, put your damn name in if you're so damn good. Well, we'll see if they do that. But the, the idea that somehow this staff hasn't had success look what they did last year and look at the previous years again uh, jackson was an assistant under magnum but they were they've been working themselves up and just take a look and what they had was it two playoff games last year yeah. uh, they hosted a playoff game for the first time I, I believe two years ago i have to go back and take a look at all the specifics but they've made progress along the way again against the one a's and unlike a washington unfortunately or Snow Hill, though I think Snow Hill is, is is a little bit getting a little bit better in the last couple of years. And they did have three wins last year. But in, in Kent County, which has languished for a while, uh, Colonel Richardson pulled himself up by the bootstraps with small numbers and got to where they are. This year, yeah, they graduated a lot of guys from last year's team. So they're, in some sense, yeah, starting over again. And just like they did last year, they took their lumps. Let's see what they do against 1A competition beginning this week against Washington and, and then judge them. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure where all that was uh, all that was coming from. Yeah, I mean, they were going against Canal the week before. They went against a good Seaford squad. Yeah. Uh, correct, and that Seaford's got a Seaford squad uh, from a school standpoint in terms of attendance. I think they're fairly similar, but that's a Seaford team that returned a ton of starters and a quarterback, and they went to the playoffs last year. Right. So you know that that's not a uh, a young team. That was an experienced team that they played. So uh, you know we wish James Jackson and his group well this year, and I am looking yeah. forward to seeing how they perform against the Washingtons, the Snow Hills, the Cambridge, right. and right, and, and, and that's the way to judge them. You can't really judge them against Ken Island or some of the other teams now granted it's a Ken Island team that lost a lot as well but still there's a difference between the two teams and look from a resources standpoint and you just mentioned Decatur but from a resources standpoint there's major differences between Colonel and some of these other schools too absolutely one of the things I noticed was they didn't have a coach in the box you know I mean they and that's you see that in most schools now you know where they have the uh, the huddle the sideline huddle you know so you have the end zone shot you have the sideline shot and and you're looking at that during the game you know there's there's some things that you know they're in a small market and right now they need money to help you know buy shoulder pads for kids and things like that and that's where they rather invest their money and for being safer for the kids to play the game and i'm in support of that 
Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, they're they're fighting for dollars for resources. There's other sports at that school that are probably thought more highly of with baseball and basketball. I would think of some other sports. So they're there to fight when you've been down for so long and you're trying to build something. You don't necessarily have that groundswell of support that's there on a consistent basis that, okay, we're all in on football and we're getting all the dollars. You know, it takes it takes time. And if you only have a few guys coaching in the program, you don't necessarily have the time to be able to go out and solicit those dollars because you're just trying to run a program and make sure guys are weightlifting, guys are running, uh, guys are doing what they need to in the classroom, and then you're coaching them on the field. You know, where other squads have the staff to be able to go out and dedicate just to going out to the community and saying, hey, we want to fundraise to do this, that, and the other. Right. And, of course, uh, South Carolina Mustangs, their 13U team, unbeaten so far. Great. And uh, will be feeding into the program there at Colonel Richardson. I, this mm-hmm. past weekend, they beat the uh, Dorchester Vikings 52-26. Wow. So they're scoring mm-hmm. a lot of points. Looks so. like last year's varsity uh, win uh, has spilled over into the rec squad. Then. Yeah, yeah so, good for them. <laughs> so let, let's hope that those kids uh, uh, do go on to play high school football mm-hmm. uh, with the Colonels as well. So mm-hmm. I, I just I, I wanted to bring that up. No, I'm gl- just... Mark, I'm glad you did. And, look, it's one thing to criticize with warranted criticism. It's another thing to make a statement where you really can't, you really can't back it up i mean this this uh, staff has had success and they especially had success last year right yeah absolutely when we come back we're going to be talking about why hi that's next on time out with shore sports presented by the preston automotive group Hi folks, David Wilson Jr. of the Preston Automotive Group here. Did you know that we can deliver your vehicle straight to your home or office? You can view and purchase vehicles from Preston's complete inventory online at PrestonMotor.com. Preston Automotive Group is here to ensure you get exactly what you've been looking for. We can even custom order select brands straight from the source. Integrity, urgency, teamwork, personal growth, attention to detail, community. These are the core values we live by here at the Preston Automotive Group. We're family, friends, and professionals. Visit us online at PrestonMotor.com to get started today. This next segment sponsored by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance. Located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. Now offering 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. Wow. Why high? So this week you have why high number one in your power poll. They were number two. Now, wait a minute, Mark. You just gave that away. We want people to go to shoresportsmd.com to uh, take a look. Well, well, they can still go read all the details about it. But, uh, (laughs) you know, why high? 42 nothing over North Carolina on Thursday night. North Carolina moved the ball some, but they just couldn't pound it in. Why high is yet to give up a touchdown this year? So I don't know what is more imp- more impressive, the fact that their offense has scored over a hundred points, being that forty two of them came against North Carolina and sixty some against Washington. Yeah, I mean, with all due respect, uh, you kind of have to discount that Washington game. So you you look at the North Carolina game, but look, uh, Coach McCormick brought up why Comico's defense. And mentioned that uh, they are athletic, but they also they were disciplined. That they uh, they were well schooled and prepared for the North Carolina offense. So that's pretty impressive. Not giving up a single touchdown this week. Why high is our Preston Ford game of the week presented by Best Western Plus Easton for all seasons in Kona Ice at Easton High School. Another team that has put up 70-some points on the year, 42 against Kent County, 35 against Kent Island, which is impressive in its own self. Right, against Tim Goodrich, defensive coordinator, who right. is very highly thought of. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
So they scored, what, five touchdowns against Ken Island, and they put mm. six on the board this week, five of them on the ground, including one with a backup quarterback. Right. right. You know, so. LaBelle. Yeah. You know, with, with LaBelle being the backup there. But, I mean, Kevin O'Connor, we know what Kevin O'Connor is. Mm-hmm. But is this game against Y High a statement game for O'Connor? Oh, I think so. Because you're playing against a very athletic and talented team, and it's an opportunity to go out there and show yourself again this season, improve yourself. I and mean, we know he's very good, but you know it's one thing to be a talented athlete and to rack up the numbers against teams that are not nearly as talented as you are or the teammates you have around you. But it's another thing to do it against some of the top teams in the Bayside. And in this case, as I have, Wicomico number one. I think most people do uh, in other outlets as well. So absolutely, I mean, it's a brand new season, and sure, this is. I mean, if he has a big game, absolutely. I mean, we know he's the top three quarterback but it says a lot more when you're able to do it against the top tier teams and he did already against Ken Island and I realized that a matchup later in the season against the Ken Island team that lost a lot that say by you know week seven eight nine would be more experienced and may give them a tougher game but you don't make the schedule out you, you can only do what you could do so you know through no fault of his own but uh, certainly against this Y high squad yeah it would be uh it'll be a statement game for this eastern program that if they if they were to pull it off that again they're more of the spring 21 team than the fall 21 team because those were completely different teams from a record standpoint well and they were they played completely different teams as well i mean a lot of kids numbers were low and things like that. Easton came out, and I discount that spring season. I, I think but it was. But they just... still faced the same odds that those other schools did, though. From yeah. a, from a going through COVID protocols and all that, they had to go through that. I mean, you got to give them some credit for that. And look, they beat a Decatur squad at Decatur. That was you know a very good team there. Yeah, so. but I, I still discount that that five and okay. zero team in the spring. But you know, Malik Leatherberry. I mean, he's an absolute stud yeah. for why high. Yeah. Well, uh, Marquand Green was a comparison that Matt Griffith, the Easton head coach, made. And, and Green, if, if memory serves, you know, played running back wide receiver, but then I believe in his senior year ended up playing quarterback because they needed him there and did a lot of the same things. He ran the ball through the football and, and was extremely successful. But yes, I mean, here's a young man in Leatherberry that uh, now has more on his shoulders because of Jace Freeman graduating. And Leatherberry three touchdown receptions and a punt return for a touchdown and he was dynamic in the return game last year and that was an aspect of Wicomico that people may forget they had really good special teams last year in terms of the return game because of Leatherberry and Easton will have the work cut out for him this isn't just you know offense defense you've got to come and play on special teams it's going to be interesting I think it's a good matchup why high you know they, they run a little spread they run a mix in you know the wing T and, and what have you with what they've got some single wing maybe yeah, yeah. single wing and then you've got Easton, which is a spread team, right? And, and they can do different things as well. It, why high plays a five-two defense? It's going to be interesting to see how they manipulate or how Easton can manipulate that defense because if they're going to spread out, they've got to figure out: Are they going to walk out the D end? Are they going to bring a safety down? 
you know, are they going to go zero over the top? I, I think you'll see probably zero. I think maybe you'll get a little single high, but I think you'll see zero. I think Wicomico will try to load the box and rush uh, O'Connor as much as they can, realizing, though, you've got to be disciplined in your rush lanes. But I, I think Wicomico, I think they're going to be confident to go out there and play a lot of zero coverage. Well, if that happens, it's quite possible we may see uh, the, the scoreboard at Easton High School getting light bulbs replaced well, because I think both teams could light up that scoreboard. Yeah, you know, they, they could. Now, the the key here is the Easton defense, which played very well against Kent Island week one and week two against Kent County, although you know, a lesser opponent week two. Uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them against that wide high rushing attack. But if Easton's able to uh, you know, mitigate to an extent that rushing attack of, of Wicomico and, and get Easton. And for Easton, conversely, you know, I think you're going to want to run the ball and keep Y high off the field as much as possible. Now, you know, look, throwing the football though is still something they do and do well. And you can have your, you know, your extended runs through, mm-hmm. you know, passes, uh, screen passes and such that almost act like runs. But I think that the Easton D and the Easton uh, running game, if they're to win the game, those are the areas where they're going to have to come up big. I think you have to assume why high is going to make plays in this one. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, you know, you're not going to shut them out. That's for sure. I, I think Coach Ferragamo and I are, are really looking forward to calling this game. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I'm looking forward to calling this game as much as I do the uh, the war on the shore, the the ninth game of the regular season, because mm-hmm. I really think this this game features the two best teams in the Bayside, in my opinion. Uh, look, I mean, that's, you know, Queen Anne's is right up there. They've got a youngish team, but I, I've got Easton three. So you're not you're not right. off in terms of as I right. see it. And at one point I was considering making Easton number one of the preseason poll, actually. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is a great this is a great benchmark litmus test statement game, however you want to call it. And the other thing conversely here is let's not forget why Comico can throw the football. Darius Foreman can throw the football. So if you think that you're just going to load the box to stop the run and say, oh, well, we'll let him beat him, beat him, uh, beat us with his arm uh go ahead and try and do that because he burned north carolina a few times doing that absolutely looking forward to it that is our preston ford game of the week coming up this friday airtime with the rotor rooter pregame show at 540 on 943 winks fm and online at forever don't forget a kona ice tailgate party again this coming friday night as well at easton high school they'll be serving up samples from 5 to 5 30 and I'm looking forward to seeing what Coach Isaiah Taylor says to you when you go talk to him uh, later this week to have on Shore Sports MD when we do our preview interviews because it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that this will be a game where head coach Matt Griffith with the offense, we're going to see how they try to make Wicomico uncomfortable and make decisions and try to mitigate that athleticism as much as possible with what they do, with formations, with motion, with whatever he's got in store. I think uh, that's that's going to be an area that I'll be really interested in seeing. Our challenge this week with our pregame interviews with the coaches will be let's try and get X and O information. Let's see what they're thinking about, you know, uh, like you said, I mean, Easton trying to make them uncomfortable. See if Griffith, I'll see if Griffith will unveil anything in our interview. I Good luck. Does. I'm, I'm going to try, you know, and of course with you and Taylor, you know, and getting him to 
tell us what are his major concerns with Easton and and what he's going to do to combat that as well. It should be a good game. Yeah. Well, and realize why Comico, that's a brand new offensive line for them. Yeah. Five new starters, but so far uh, so good. And we, here's the thing. We've got so many of these early season matchups that are so good. It's like, well, I, I hope we have some good ones late in the year. I'm sure we I'm sure we will. But we've had some huge matchups. Queen Anne's North Carolina, North Carolina, Wicomico, Wicomico Easton. We've got Kent Island Decatur this week. And it's like, wow, I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of these big matchups are happening so early in the season. And again, we know that some of these teams, because of the youth, uh, will be different teams and, and likely better teams at the end of the year. And uh, our Taylor Walls is going to be there at Decatur for right. that Ken Island game final reports. Mm-hmm. Next week, right now, scheduled, it's uh, Easton at Parkside. For, okay. for next Friday night. Yeah, I did night. that game last year in Easton with Coach Griffith. And then we, then we come back at Y High at Kent Island. And then we've, okay. got, and nice. then we've got Easton at Queen Anne's, Decatur at Queen Anne's. So we got a lot of great yeah. games coming uh, up. Yeah, so we do. We yeah. do. So there you go. The, so all the good games aren't just early in the season. And, yeah, going to make <laughs> it difficult with picks and power poles, but that's the fun of it. Though. That's why we call it the Preston Ford Game of game the of Week. week. Yeah, that's so right. stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk more high school football right here. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, take time to connect. Ask Are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you. And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric, education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info online at forallseasonsinc.org. So you mentioned this week Washington going to be back in action. Uh, Last week, they were scheduled to play Colonel Richardson. I mean, uh, Queen Anne. Queen Anne, right. And uh, supposedly, they only had nine players available. Right. Um, I was told that, yeah, that they were beat up from the Wicomico game and their trainer would not uh, clear any additional players. So they were forced to cancel that game, and it's a forfeit. Queen Anne's gets the win. I had a couple of conversations with folks in the football world here recently, in the high school football world, about Washington and where they stand in the program. And one individual brought up a great idea. Right now, Washington struggles with numbers, and they've been struggling with numbers for a while. Absolutely. Why not let them play a JV schedule, even the seniors and the juniors? Mm -hmm. Because that's what they're competing with right now, Mm -hmm. you know, wise. And it's a chance to get younger players into the program and build the program back up and build the you know their team and getting numbers and such because it really is an injustice to the bigger teams uh and to, and to all the teams to play a team that may or may not be able to field a squad. Look, I, I agree and the only argument would be although I can turn this right around would be seniors playing freshmen in terms of having a varsity squad play play a JV schedule. 
But conversely, do we not have freshmen on varsity Correct. that are playing against seniors? So you really uh, that argument will be thrown out there, but we already have it on the varsity level. I don't have an issue with that. What I proposed Friday night was that Washington simply just play 1A teams in the Bayside, try to schedule Eastern Shore Virginia teams that are also similar to them from a size standpoint, but that they do not play any of the 2A or in the James M. Bennett's case, it was a 3A team, that they simply don't play those. And those teams get to schedule non-conference game there. And I, I think that at minimum, that would be a good resolution to that. Well, the problem with that is, if you recall a few years ago, Colonel Richardson petitioned the Bayside to do just that. They wanted to pull out of the Bayside for football or something similar to that just so they could make up their own schedule so that they wouldn't have to play the Eastons, the Ken Islands, the Queen Anne's, the Y Highs, the bigger schools, and that they would then make their own schedule. Now, that got shot done, uh, shot down. And I, and I remember that. And yeah. actually, I, Mark, I know you, I think you were critical of that. And, and you know what? I may be hypocritical here. I think I may have been at one point critical of that. I mean, ultimately, Colonel Richardson, though, has had success since then. And they were able to turn it around that we didn't necessarily know that that would be the case. But with uh, with Washington, though, I mean, they this has been a long time issue for them. And it, it, it does, though, also affect other programs so i i guess when you come from it from another aspect that you know, what good does it do a y comico or queen anne's to play them and if they're going to be beat up and not be able to play the next week anyway and at minimum that's the other thing why in the world is the bayside scheduling back-to-back two a games two a teams against them well it's the way the schedule worked out i guess but it's like you know colonel for instance they're scheduled by the bayside to play ken island they went out and they got Seaford as a gang. I mean, they did that on their own accord, mm. you know. And I guess maybe because it was a similar size school or, or what. And it is that. a similar size school, you know. Yeah. But I mean, they're a class one A team in Delaware. Yeah, but at the same time, let's not fool ourselves. Some of the small schools can beat the larger schools. Evidence. Cambridge beating Parkside last year. And they beat Bennett last year. <laughs> and they beat Bennett. You know, yeah. Bennett was down. So I, I don't totally buy in. Washington has scared some teams in the past. It's been a few years. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple years there where they had some decent players. And I'm trying to remember the one player that ended up transferring up to, I think, Parkside for a senior year. But, I mean, they have had some decent teams at times, enough where they – at least a little bit competitive, but this has been a long, a long running issue. And I, 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 I'm not saying that to run away from the competition and the and the issue because at the end of the day, then just you know pull the program all together. You don't want to, you don't want that to be the case though for the kids that do want to be able to have football as an outlet and potentially get some sort of scholarship out of it, or at least give themselves a, a legitimate chance to walk on somewhere. Well, look at Snow Hill a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They, they, they didn't yeah. win a single game, mm-hmm. and they had like four or five athletes go play at the next level. Yeah, and, and they've had some – they've had you – know, they had a losing, several losing seasons where they went winless uh, yeah. for a while, and, and they're starting to, to pull themselves up a little bit, but it's still a struggle for them. They did have three wins last year, which is much more than Washington could say, but it, it's an issue with, with both of those schools, but much more, though, uh, with, uh, with Washington. And, of course, my belief is if you can compete in – basketball and baseball and softball and field hockey and all that well then by golly you can compete in football yeah there's a lot of different uh, approaches to this i guess all i would say is uh that you know 
it, the unfair, it's unfair though to these two A and three A teams though for the forfeit for them because to, have to you lose a game. Yeah. yeah, and you only because these kids now they only get nine games. Right. And now I understand right now everybody gets in the playoffs Trophy. that makes ten, but it would have been eleven. Right. If they hadn't changed things. Right. So it, it you know it's it. And it's, only it's the tough. top four would get in if they hadn't changed yeah. things. Yeah. But and hopefully next year we'll go back to that process instead of the six well, and everybody up. gets in. Because let's face it, the first two weeks of the you know playoffs in most regions, especially here on the shore, it's the the one versus eight is not going to be pretty. Yeah. So, but I, I'm with you. I, I I don't think it would hurt. If if they decided, hey, let them play a JV schedule, you know what? I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I really would be. We're talking high school football here. Mike Bradley, Mark Potter. And, uh, you know, when you look at the games this week, you have Washington at Colonel Richardson, Snow Hill at Arcadia, Y High at Easton, Cambridge at Bennett, uh, North Carolina at Kent County, Parkside at Queen Anne's. And uh, that Queen Anne's game, by the way, is Saturday afternoon. It's mm-hmm. the Queen Anne's homecoming. Well, Queen Anne's is going to have a lot of time to prepare for that game, or they have a lot of time to prepare for that game. Yeah, an extra day for Parkside, but I don't know exactly what day last week Queen Anne's found out there would be a forfeit, but I think it was at least by Wednesday of last week. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to watch how those games play out. But, uh, you know, when you look at these teams, let, let's I'll tell you what, when we come back, let's talk – Cambridge South Dorchester and Coach Peer, you got to talk to him um, on Friday night with Overtime Live and I want to talk to you about what he had to say because I think that's one of the things that as we continue to roll through the season, you wonder what is going to be coming up for these Cambridge South Dorchester Vikings. Hanging out with Bob Pino at an optical galleria with three locations in Centerville, West Ocean City, and in Easton. And Bob, you guys have an exciting new sunglass line called Hook. Hook is designed by myself, Nikki, and since we're into the sport fishing and the polarized lenses, they are being formulated exactly for us to have performance on the water great driving sunglasses and super quality it's just really nice to have your own product i have a pair of hook glasses and you're right you get behind the wheel they are very comfortable it's just a nice fitting cool looking sunglass that performs extremely well hook sunglasses available in all three and optical gallery locations where you get all sorts of different glasses for all sorts of different needs computer night driving fishing motorcycle riding sewing glasses and we can make glasses specifically for that at an optical galleria check them out online at eisenart.net and this portion of the timeout with shore sports podcast is brought to you by midshore exteriors handling your roofing siding and gutter needs across the shore every detail matters so let the master elite gaf certified and shingle master roofers take care of your home or business today more info online at midshoreexteriors.com and mark they've been out to my house several times in the last year they've done a really <laughs> good job and very appreciative to have a local company that i can trust to take care of my roofing needs because my house which is still relatively young at 15 years old though but it's getting to be that time where a lot of the appliances that get used so much at 15 years the hot water here 
had to replace that. <laughs> the air conditioner was being more proactive with it, but but you know it was getting to be that time where you don't want to take chances and with costs going up. The roof. So, so I got that, and then the roof doesn't need to be replaced, but I had some things that had to be replaced on the roof uh, to take care of. So it gives me a few extra years before I have to get a brand new roof. So yeah, they aren't great folks over there at Midshore Exteriors. Thanks to them for stepping up and and sponsoring us here on ShoresportsMD.com, and of course with Overtime Live. Cambridge South Dorchester, they picked up the win 48-12 mm-hmm. over Snow Hill. A much better team than Snow Hill, uh, whether it's on paper or on the field. But either way you look at it, how good are the numbers at Cambridge South Dorchester? What Coach Pierce say about that? Well, he brings back a handful of starters on each side of the ball, but they are smaller in numbers this year. Now, he talks about the fact, hey, you, you only get 11 out on the field, and he said that's you know s- small numbers. I mean, that's an issue that a lot of 1A teams battle uh, on a somewhat regular basis, so that, that certainly is what it is. Uh, but he didn't seem to be making any excuses. He's been pretty positive about his team. Look, when he took over the job last year, he moved in on a Saturday to his house and he was coaching practice I think the next Tuesday or Wednesday as we know so it was tough and implementing a different system I think more so offensively is a lot different than defensively and understanding the ins and outs of Cambridge and and what you could do and can't do and and so on and so forth and and I think there were some growing pains there as we know but he seems like uh, they're in a much better place this year and so if memory serves I think they have around 21 players in total uh, maybe a, a few more than that uh but talking with coach Pierre about the guy settling in and i asked him too about schematics i mean they run a, they run a spread more of a spread and and you know cambridge in years past uh, ran you know uh, more of a double wing under mm-hmm. under coach uh, coleman which is completely different for he was running at decatur now but uh, so that that offense uh, is, is more of a spread and then they run an, an odd front defensively so three-man front he said always oh, a two deep shell for the most part but he talked about simplification he said i i, I really want the guys to play fast and not to think too much so they try not to put too much on the player's plate and I think out of the spread they, they, they want to have a lot of different formations but just running the same base plays just out of different formations to keep it easy you know for those guys they have a returning quarterback who got a lot of experience last year but they ran the football really effectively against Snow Hill and that's what uh, did the damage against the Eagles so Cambridge South Dorchester this week will go to uh, they'll be playing J.M. Bennett and the game is at Bennett mm-hmm. uh, as Wicomico County Stadium actually on Friday night. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see because Bennett is getting better. You know, after last year, they they really struggled last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're getting better. So I think this will be a good test for Cambridge to see where they're at. No, I certainly agree with you. I mean, it was a tough week one matchup against Milford as a really good offensive line. And again, one of those guys going to Duke. And they had a number of skilled players returning. Just as Coach Pierce said, that's just a better team to beat us. But I agree. I mean, they they beat Bennett last year. Bennett was in a much different place last year. They're still rebuilding. There are signs of positivity. They've scored 12 points in each of their last two games. And you may say, well, Mike, that's that's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal given the way that Bennett played last year with all due respect to them and their team last season. And they had 18 seniors on that team. So it will be a really good test for the Vikings. And also we'll see where Bennett is, frankly. I think it's as much a, a you know a litmus test game for Bennett to see where they're at exactly and you think a 3A team you think all oh, that's a that's a no-brainer but it doesn't always work that way where a 3A automatically beats a 1A and I still go back to Cambridge uh, several years back going to Delaney in Baltimore County a 4A school and beating Delaney at Delaney 
Yeah, very true. That was when uh, Coleman was still coaching the team. All right, let's talk Parkside, Queen Anne's. Queen Anne's was off. We mentioned Parkside a little bit ago. And uh, the way they managed to pull away from Bennett, they're going in to play on a Saturday at Queen Anne's for their homecoming. Queen Anne's well-rested, should be pretty healthy. K.J. Smothers chomping at the bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be... The K.J. Mother, uh, Smothers show, I'm sure, when it comes to Queen Anne's offensive attack on Saturday. Certainly starts there and uh, may end there as well. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you, you make sure that you get your playmaker the ball a lot, and they certainly did that against North Carolina, and he came up big with all three touchdowns for them. But the one thing about Parkside, though, that we need to bring up is that they're a team, they love to run the football, the run the, you know, the, run the bone, the run power. But Luke Bastiarello, their quarterback – He's putting the ball in the air, and they're letting him do it. And not just, you know, horizontal passes out to the flats, get a guy speed in space. He's going vertically down the field. He had three, three touchdown passes in the win over Bennett Friday night. And I asked Coach Riley, when's the last time your quarterback had three passing touchdowns? I mean, honestly, you might have to go back to – his first year coaching when they ran a spread offense and put up 42 points a game as to when a Parkside quarterback had three touchdown passes in a game. There may have been one in there somewhere, but I'm telling you, if it is, it's, it's probably less than less than a handful at most. Um, but that's that's significant in that that's an aspect of the of the game that Parkside has not had the last couple of years. And, you know, I did that East of Parkside game last year. And, again, they're a run-heavy team. And when they had to go to the pass, they didn't have much. Well, Massiarello so far looking pretty good. Obviously, the task will be tough. It's Queen Anne's, and they'll still look to run the football first and foremost. But that element of passing the ball for Parkside is there where they really have not had that in a while. It'll be interesting to watch that game develop. Just as interesting will be Ken Island at Decatur. Uh, you know, when talking with Coach mm. Sofanowski and, and watching your pregame interviews, I, I think he really felt like they could have given Easton a better game if, like you said, it happened a couple of weeks later. This team seems to be maturing and coming along. You know, are you expecting them to compete with Decatur, maybe even beat them, I'm not asking you to pick the game yet. No, I understand. You, yeah, we're going to save that. You, you can save that for yeah. Friday morning yeah. at uh, shoresportsmd.com. But, you know, is is this a game that you think Ken Island has the dogs, so to speak, to compete and really possibly even beat Decatur? I mean, if you go based on Coach Sofanowski's resume, the answer is yes to that. I do expect them to compete. I think this will be this will be a growth game for them. It really will be because they're going against also a team that did lose a lot of starters and has a lot of youth as well. Uh, both teams bring that scenario to the uh, to the table, but I think this will be a growth game where we're going to find out, you know, in the trenches, you know, how Ken Island steps up or whether or not they do. We'll also learn more about Tommy McAndrews who was given the ability to to flash his arm a little bit more and looks like they were trying to be a little bit more versatile uh we'll see all that you know despite Decatur's youth they still their players and I know coach Coleman talked about he's he's going to turn gray pretty soon here with all the youth that they have but they didn't look like a team against Indian River uh that was uh, that wet behind the ears now again I'm not on the ground I'm not coaching them every day so coach Coleman knows a lot more than I do uh but against Indian River you know all in all they look pretty good and Bryson Coleman what he adds to the mix is his ability to scramble and take off and looks really good doing it and he's definitely an adequate enough passer with the weapons that they have 
have. Um, so for Kent Island, you're going to want to keep their offense off the field. But yeah, I, I think they'll compete, but we'll find out ultimately. It's going to be, as I mentioned, a great growth game in week number three. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to week three. I think it's going to be an amazing week of high school football. And, of course, we'll be covering it uh, Friday night right on 94.3 Winks FM at forevermidshore.com. If you're not sure where you find that, go to shoresportsmd.com, and there's a link right there on the front page to connect right to our broadcast. So it should be a good one. We'll have Y High at Easton. Taylor's going to be at uh, Decatur covering the Ken Island Decatur contest. So we still got you covered. And then, of course, after the game, you'll be talking to all the coaches from across the Bayside. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you saw – I guess I guess you did because we, we were commenting uh, about David Dodson. Yes. And you actually referenced this earlier in the broadcast <laughs> – but to see now <laughs> that at some of the high schools in the Bayside that they have a sideline digital screen to be able to replay off of Huddle what transpired in the last series. I mean, Mark, that is leaps and bounds from where we were. And I know not every school has it, but I have to assume that eventually other schools are going to say, well, wait a minute, look who has it. Why don't we have it? We need to have it. Well, and it just it's a domino effect. David Dotson, for those that don't know, he uh, worked with Jake Coleman at Cambridge South Dorchester High School. He is a, commu- a computer aficionado. Yeah. All right? And his joy is getting kids exposure. So he created a timing you know, standard for uh, track and field and cross country. And they use it at Cambridge to this day. He volunteers his time to come record, you know, those times and such with his timing, you know, system. Then, if you recall, before he left Cambridge South Dorchester, he had also instituted, you know, that he was doing replay and everything at Cambridge. Well, don't forget on, the stats the program. More, right. And the we, stats and yeah. everything. And, and if you brought your computer and if we went to Cambridge to broadcasting and we brought our laptop, he would hook up to our laptop so we would have access to all of that stuff. So real time, you could give stats of this quarterback's doing this, this running back's doing that. And Absolutely. Before, we had to kind of try to keep tallies best we could on a piece of paper if we did it all. Or, or rely on yeah. Amon Alam, who was well, with that's the right. Star Democrat at, at halftime. Time. Yeah. He would always give us uh, the results. The old days, right? right? The old golden, golden days. Yeah. So when uh, Coleman and Dan DeBronze and, you know, 15,000 other employees <laughs> left and went down to uh, Stephen Decatur and Worcester County Public Schools, uh, they talked to the school system about bringing David on board yeah. with their IT system. So David was hired, and David instantly went down, and the football program automatically got that. Not only did he do it for the football program, this past spring, you were able to watch baseball and softball games mm-hmm. with a scoring screen right up on who was coming up to bat. Who was, It yeah. was like watching well. a college or MLB broadcast. Well, and the funny thing is, as we know, there's a TV station that has a dedicated sports network. Well, what he was doing in-house was blowing away what a TV station was offering with that. Right. <laughs> so he was ahead of the game. It's like, well, we we kind of don't I'm not saying he said this, but we kind of don't need you because we're doing it better than you are in-house. Right. And and he they do an amazing job. I mean, David is just just incredible with and, and he's doing what he's doing is he's doing it for all the Worcester County public schools. Right. But so, I I think you're going to see though that domino effect in other counties. And, well, wait a minute, we need to have this, too. 
It's just it's amazing this offseason, Mark. And I guess some of this comes with new head coaches and they want to put their imprint on, although you know, Coach Soph is is you know been a former head coach at Kent Island before, but it's the uniforms, it's the helmets, the fundraisers about when we need this and that, and it just it, it it's coming together where yeah, the Western Shore teams they're they've been doing this for a while now, but you're seeing it percolate or trickle down to the eastern shore where some of these programs are starting to slowly but surely they're building up and all the resources they have down to you know brand new shiny helmets and logos and and all this stuff and you're seeing their social media presence explode i've talked about that a million times already on this podcast but to see that sideline screen and all that's going on and and what they're doing in-house there at worcester with the uh with the tv um with the viewing of the games it's unbelievable it helps me do my job I mean, it, it's come leaps well, and bounds. Because you sit here and you listen to us, and then you watch their, you know, I do, feed. and I t- and I take down notes, and and I try, you know, I'd like to be able to have others that I could get from, and sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. But in talking to other athletic directors, you know, let's face it, football is your biggest income maker for high schools here on the shore with the athletic departments. Well, it can be because <laughs> you know, if if you're getting people to show up. Then they're paying five dollars to come, you know, be here. Right. The ones that you're, you're going to have schools say, "I don't want to broadcast the game because that's going to keep people away." Mm-hmm. You know, so do you charge ten dollars to stay well, at home and watch it? Right. You know, and, and that's that's the thing you have to well, really balance. Well, if, if you're and you're right, if you're good enough, though, you're going to sell out so that there'll still be a demand online, hmm. and you'll have. And remember, you have enough alumni too, though, Mark that don't live in the area anymore or live far enough away that they can't get down to these games. And don't forget, how about the players that are now in college that certainly can't get there to the games? There's still, I think, uh, very much a demand for doing it online without affecting your 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 ticket booth. It all makes sense. I mean, a lot of schools But you have, have to be good, though. A lot of schools mm-hmm. have you know media departments so to speak you know the media class television class those are the ones we want to contact us so that we can use their services for shore sports md and we can you know so they can get their stuff published Mm -hmm. you know on our website and what have you but more on that later on yeah yeah. Um, but i I just may mention that again to see the evolution of the baseline conference we talk about offensive scheme for instance and seeing more spread but we're just seeing the off-season training the seven on sevens but again down to the helmets and the jerseys and the the sideline screens and all that it's amazing it's a far cry from where um from where i you know i played when i played i should say and when you played it's it's amazing all right before we get out of high schools i want to talk about uh, uh queen anne's county girls soccer boy they're struggling this year uh so far oh and two um, when we're recording this is on a Monday, and uh, they they actually, I uh, believe they play North Carolina on Monday evening. Uh, hopefully that game will get in based on the weather forecast. Who knows? But uh, it's one of those things that, you know, talking to Mike Kern, it's just surprising to see that they open 0-2. Uh, but talking to Mike Kern, you know, he said we're a young team. So where everybody gets into the playoffs, it'll really help him because they're going to need it by the time they get to the end of the season Mm -hmm. because those freshmen won't be playing like freshmen anymore. But uh, it's just unusual to to see a Queen Anne's girls soccer team opening up 0-2 
But it's going to be, I only brought it up because it's going to But gonna, you know what that means, Mark? That means we've been doing this a long time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Eventually these right. things happen, yeah. So, but you know, go it, ahead. It'll be interesting to watch that team develop as the year goes on yeah, to see exactly what they are able to accomplish. Yeah. Well, so. and, and we talked about it with football, not to bring it back to football, but seeing the amount of teams that lost a lot that are very youthful this year, you're looking at some of these teams that are going to have these guys for three years, this year and then two others outside. It, it's going to be... Uh, crazy to think how good you know, these teams are going to be in the next couple of years and just how much more competitive it makes a, a conference. We talk about football. We could say the same thing you know, for Queen Anne's, for instance, that uh, you go through the growing pains. But as freshmen, boy, you've got them for not one, not two, but three more years. Right. So that that's the bright aspect of it. And as a coach, you get into it. Yeah, you want to make a difference in these kids' lives off the field or off the court or what have you. But in terms of coaching the sport itself, you, you get into it because you want to make these players better. You love coaching them up and the technique and the fundamentals and the X's and O's. By the time they get to be seniors, you know, it's more about refining things. And, and hopefully you've got enough coaches on the field that, you know, you're not as um, you're not as involved, if you were hands on, if you will. So this is the time now where I, I would think you're kind of excited about coaching a young team. Absolutely. Want to talk college football? That's sponsored by our friends at Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the midshore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in person banking, plus, they have money to lend. Get more info at Queenstown Bank locations or queenstownbank.com. All right, so Salisbury, <laughs> we'll start locally. We'll okay. start with Salisbury University. Uh, they ended up losing to Stevenson uh, this week. Yeah, that was that was huge. Yeah, it was 21 nothing, 21 all at the half mm-hmm. and through three. And then Stevenson picks up uh, 14 uh, more points in the fourth quarter, uh, two touchdowns to, to win that one. And, uh, you know, I, I brought that up because I want to mention that we have a couple of locals that actually – uh, did well in the game, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Um, Bildstein, Joy Bildstein, who was uh, from North Carolina High School, he had 100 yards rushing, and uh, Jake Booz had uh, or Dyke Booz. No, Dyke is the dad. That's right. My, <laughs> my bad. So um, he he had three catches on the day. Uh, let me bring that up. Just make now, how sure did I uh, now remember the week before Dar- Bra- Dario Belazar was uh, freshman of the week? Yeah, Brandon Booz is the kid's name. He had uh, three right. catches for forty-seven yards. He plays for uh, Stevenson, and and yeah, Dario Belazar. Uh, let's see, he had uh, six rushes for thirty-four yards, okay. um, and. Uh, End up with net 25 because he did lose nine on a okay. carry. Well, he had a bigger week the week before. Yeah. I think it, I think to kick off the season against Albright. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, so, but it's good to see locals doing that. The name Ryan Sedgwick just rings a bell, and I don't know where I would know that name from. But uh, I wasn't sure if when yeah. I mentioned it, if it would. It, it does, but I can't place it yeah. either, though. So, uh, but anyway, so it was good to see St- um, the Salisbury and Stevenson game. Of course, Stevenson winning that one. It's always tough for Salisbury when they lose. But I want to talk about Virginia Tech, Maryland, um, those two teams. Virginia Tech really crapped the bed against ODU. But they came in, out we, in week one. In week one. Yeah. And they came out with vengeance, um, shaking the earth with the inner Sandman again. Uh, in their, you were at the game, by the way. I was not at that game. So my son was. 
So Trey was because he had season tickets. I was at the Commanders game on Sunday. Yeah, but you posted. I thought you were at the Vatech game. You posted as if you were there. No, I wish I was. Okay. But uh, no, he was there sending me, you know, pictures and all that stuff. But he was there. Um, But for the Hokies to come out and beat Boston College, and they really they shut down. A couple of their studs that Boston College has. Yeah, they got a pretty good quarterback, from yeah. my understanding. BC yeah. does. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's a good bounce back for them because BC had lost to Rutgers the week before, but that was a really good game, and yeah. Rutgers ended up pulling it out. Uh, but yeah, Vatek, that's a big bounce back uh, after losing to an FBS school. Though they're not the only ones that lost to an FBS school week one. Navy did. Um, you know, uh, Charlotte lost to William and Mary, who Maryland ended up playing Charlotte last week. So. And, and then App, uh, Appalachian. Or FCS, I should say. Excuse know, me. Appalachian. Beat Texas A and M this week, right? Although Appalachian State is now FBS, yes, they are now. But still, they they, they were they've oh, no, been known as the upset. Kings. Oh, that was huge! I mean, that should never have happened. Appalachian State against Texas A and M with all the resources they yeah. had that should never happen in a million years. After Appalachian State gave up over sixty to North Carolina the week before, and how oh, how about Charles Huff, the yeah. head coach at Marshall? Thought you'd be getting to this, yeah. getting one point two five million dollars, one and a quarter million dollars to take his program yeah. to Notre Dame to be their walking mat mm-hmm. and coach Huff and the Marshall thundering herd yeah. shock Notre Dame yeah well a couple things first and I made mention of this it just in a macro perspective Mark you go back to the tragedy that was in 1970 I believe yeah. it was with Marshall and the and the, uh, the plane and the loss of the team to to a crash Never in a million years would they have thought that at one point, at one day, some 50 years down the road, that their program would go into Notre Dame and pull off a win against a top 10. I think Notre Dame was ranked ninth, right? I think at the time. Uh, just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, Notre Dame's offense is is struggling. They're not very good. Uh, their quarterback uh, is, does the best he can, uh, but he's certainly not one of the more elite quarterbacks or above-average quarterbacks. That said, though, still, a Marshall went over Notre Dame. Most people would say, how in the world does that happen? But, look, Marshall came out. They, they were ready to play. They were tough. Their running back rushed for about 160 yards, and I think that's the first time Notre Dame's given up that many yards in a long time. Uh, especially at home like that, if they have it all, uh, unbelievable. And the local tie like that, wow. I mean, that is that is a huge program win. I think only their second win against an AP top 10 or top 25 team in the first since 2003. But you really feel happy for those kids. And, you know, I, I, I was wondering, Notre Dame played so well against Ohio State despite the loss the week before. I wouldn't necessarily think that they would be down in the dumps going into that Marshall game I would think hey hold your head up high yeah you didn't have much offensively but you held in there against the top three team in the country on the road that okay we'll, we'll build off of that against Marshall we get, let's come home and get our first win and that didn't happen so credit Marshall because I would have expected Notre Dame to be really hungry for that game absolutely and uh, it, it was good to see uh, Coach Huff have success in that win um, on uh, uh, on uh, Saturday now he went to North Carolina is yeah, that, he's yeah, from Caroline County. Went to yeah, North Carolina, yeah, right? Went to North Carolina. And I don't know how I, – I, we have to have him on at some point. He was an assistant in Alabama right. when he was hired at Marshall, but I don't know his career trek I, in between I think between he was also at Penn State. Really? With James Franklin. Okay. So. Now, did he coach here on the Bayside at one point? No. 
Nope. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, Good for him. Yeah, he's he's doing well. Yeah. His dad uh, has been an official. I don't know if he's still officiating, but he has his dad had been an official. Mm-hmm. I mean, he lives right on River Road. You know? That's so, amazing. Yeah, that yeah. that's an amazing story. That's so cool. And and uh, here's to to a great rest of the season. Now you can't follow that game up with a loss. Now yeah, you right. got to win next week, Marshall. Yeah, you got to keep rolling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what I told Nick Saban when I called him and said, "Coach, we can't have any more performances <laughs> like that, like you had against Texas." Woo. Texas yeah. did well, but. but that- Give Texas. I mean that. that look, that's a, that program still has talent. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. Oh yeah, absolutely. and they got a they got a good head coach. Yeah, so. and and it seems like here lately Alabama never plays well on the road against big teams, hmm. and uh, you know they went in to Texas and escaped with a come from behind win thanks to Bryce Young, um, and uh, you know but still it was a good performance from Texas and it was good enough to now they're in the top twenty five. Even with a loss. Yeah. Well, both defenses played well in that game. And I tell you, Bryce Young got a lot of pressure on him. That Texas front uh, pressured Alabama. Uh, but Alabama, you know, a minute and a half or so left on the clock after that mm-hmm. field goal. And uh, and realize, too, Texas' starting quarterback got knocked out early in that game. Quinn Ewers, I believe it is. So right. they went with Car- Hudson Card, the backup, uh, and they still were right in that game. But, yeah, that's a little bit too much time. And I, I certainly said, well, yeah, we'll see. I'm not, right. Texas, don't get too happy yet. Uh, but, look, you know, the team's catching up to Alabama. That's not a bad thing. You right. know, nobody wants to see Alabama go in there and, and win 54 to nothing. Even you don't want to see that. You right. want to see competitive game right, right. Yeah. And, I, and i hope to when i go to alabama next week, next um, week. for the uh, the weekend of the 24th in their game against vandy vandy okay yeah. so that's an sec matchup yeah, i think there, this yeah. week they play la tech so yeah. um but uh, anyway the other score i want to mention was maryland they're two and oh under loxley uh coach loxley and they played, you know, the Charlotte Sisters of the Poor this week. Um, well, that was not a game that Loxley scheduled. That had been scheduled a long time before, and right. he wished he had that game home. But, yes, they, they did, yeah. So they go down there. They're 2-0. and How good really is Maryland? Well, we don't know yet. Now, 15 to 22 starters yet uh, – excuse me, 15 to 22 starters back to most of the Big Ten – we saw what this offense is capable of doing against Charlotte, but that that is a bad Charlotte team. That's a bad Charlotte defense. Uh, so we don't know. The offense played really good this week. The defense struggled at times. They gave up 14 points in the first quarter. Now the defense in week one played really well against Buffalo, and the offense, even though they put up 31, was not in rhythm. Special teams been pretty good in both games, and that that's significant because their special teams were horrible last year. But we'll find out a lot more, Mark, against SMU. I mean, that'll be a much better non-conference matchup for them. Um, so we don't know yet. So, again, one side of the ball, offense, not so good week one, much better week two. Defense, really good week one, and average of best week two. So we'll find out against SMU, and then they're on the road at Michigan to kick off their Big Ten conference schedule in two weeks, and and that'll be a tough uh, tough game. That, well, yeah, because they have SMU, and if they can escape SMU with a victory, and yeah, they game, need that win if they want to get seven or eight wins this year. Yeah, and and that's a game that's going to be played in College Park. Yes, um, seven thirty under the lights. Yeah, so then. You just mentioned Michigan. Mm -hmm. They go Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana, Mm -hmm. and then they get the Cupcake Northwestern. But I think that 
I think Purdue and Indiana, I think those are winnable games. Okay. And, and look, Purdue has a really good quarterback at Aiden O'Connell. I like O'Connell, but I, I think Purdue and Indiana are winnable games. And Michigan State, I haven't d- delved into them a whole lot. I know, I think they're 2-0 and to start the year, but at least one of those games was against a cupcake, if not both. Um, but remember, Kenneth Walker is not with the team anymore. He's in the NFL with Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they use the transfer portal a lot. I, I don't necessarily know that, and I know they're ranked top 15. I don't necessarily know that Michigan State at home, that that's not a winnable game. But does Maryland have to play better and cons- more consistent than they have been, Mark, to win it? Absolutely. Maryland's schedule is rough, though, because once you get past North Northwestern, in November, you got at Wisconsin, at Penn State, home with Ohio State, and then home with the Rutgers. Yeah. Well, uh, let me go back, though. Have you seen uh, – now, I, I'm not saying that Maryland's going to roll them, and there's several weeks to go before now and then, but have you seen Wisconsin's offense this year? No. They're terrible. Are they? Well, yeah. well, good, well good for Maryland. I, I shouldn't let, – let me dial that back. They can't – fit. they're turning over the ball, and they can't finish. They can move the ball at times between the 20s. They can't finish. They lost at home to Washington State Saturday. Well, maybe we'll see Unranked Maryland. Washington State. Maybe we'll see Maryland back in the pinstripe bowl. <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope with this team that they can play in a better bowl game. I, look, I've said this before. If they go 7-6 and six and win a bowl game for a second straight year, yes, that is progress, and yes, that is still a good season. But I think a lot of fans in the media would like to see this team win an additional game. I'll say this. If they go 7-6 and six again, though, I'm certainly hoping that one of those wins is an upset win. I right. think that with the team that they have, if they're on par, they ought to be able to pull an upset off of, of one of these teams. And I still think, look, Penn State last year and Dotson, who had two touchdowns for the Commanders the other day, if they – if they just contained Dots in the fourth quarter last year, Maryland beats Penn State at home. Yeah. Well, uh, Jacksonville. I mean, that's a guy that you had to stop, and they didn't. Jacksonville so. struggled stopping Dotson also. So, I mean, yeah. he, he is a legit receiver. Yeah, uh, he. No uh, yeah, that was a good pickup, and you got McLaurin on the other side yeah. there. So and Curtis good. Samuel, they made up for lost time. Yeah. He carried the ball more in one game, touched the ball more in one game than he did all of last year. Yeah, as we shifted the NFL here. Yeah, yeah. yep. With so. Washington over Jacks. Well, and and here's the other thing. I mean, I, I know he had two picks, but uh, Carson Wentz four touchdown passes over 300 yards in the air. Uh, I don't know if that says as much about him or the Jacksonville defense, but still, give him credit. Yeah, and and he really – I like to see the way he came back from those two picks. Yeah, good point. Because, good point. You, know, you know, in years past, the, the knock on him has been, you know, he, he just – he gets down. He goes in the tank, and, yeah. You know, this time he, he rallied and – had a couple of nice balls. Hey, when he's good, he's pretty darn good. I mean, let's yeah. not forget his rookie year with the Eagles. I mean, it's just it's amazing yeah. how he's fallen, and it's sad. But when he's on, he's on. And we saw that against the Ravens on Monday night last year. Indianapolis, they came out and looked really good against the Ravens. Now, they were able to come back in the second half and win. But, um, you know, he, he shows spurts that he could be a very good quarterback. Speaking of the Ravens, big win, 24-9 over the uh, Jets. I don't know if it was a big win, but it was an important win considering It's hard the fact- to win in this league. Well, no, I agree. No, I agree. And 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 look at New York, nine eleven, um, a Jets team that had a good draft and and a fairly good defense. It, it for a team that didn't play most of their starters in the preseason at all. It was expected that they were going to struggle early on, but they made enough big plays. Lamar, three touchdown passes. And, and yeah, no, I agree. I mean, anytime you get a win on the road, and also you don't want to start the season off 0-2, I mean, that is that is big. But certainly the caliber of opponent against Miami this week and in future weeks, Buffalo 
in early October will be much better. Yeah, looking forward to watching the NFL season uh, continue to evolve as well. And uh, the nice thing for me as an NFC Washington Commander fan, Mm -hmm. while Philadelphia, New York, and the Commanders won, Dallas lost. Yeah, so, and, and they, and they, they lost, lost their quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. At, Dak at Prescott. Six to eight weeks. So. Yeah, going to be interesting to see what they do there. And uh, somebody joked two names that were trending on Twitter was uh, what Sean Payton and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Right, right. <laughs> well, and, and just Cowboys fans have another year of saying, well, wait till next year. They say it every year. So, yeah. well, uh, that, that's going to so. do it for us. You have any closing comments? Uh, no, oh, I did want to make mention real quick that uh, we were talking about co- uh, players in college. Uh, Marcus Yarns from Parkside had yeah. an 82-yard touchdown run for Delaware and their win over Delaware State Saturday. Which was very awesome to see as yeah. well. So yeah. uh, uh, that's that's a guy to watch, obviously. Uh, he's up there with Ryan O'Connor. Ryan O'Connor is uh, mm-hmm. battling for the second quarterback spot on that team so uh yeah yeah, i mean nolan henderson's been there forever so it's tough to to knock him out he's like Uh, an eighth year senior or something like that right right don't forget uh, we will be broadcasting live this friday on 94.3 winks fm and forever midshore.com it's our preston ford game of the week presented by best western plus easton for all seasons and kona ice the rotor rooter pregame show at 5 40 the kona ice tailgate party gets started at 5 Free samples of the delicious saved ice that you can put on one or two or 12 flavors, whatever you want with their flavor wave with Kona Ice. They get free samples from 5 to 5.30, and they'll be selling all night long there at the game. And uh, the nice thing is with Kona Ice, they do a kickback at the uh, end. of uh, They they give a portion of the proceeds back to the uh, athletic department of the schools that they're at. So uh, good stuff that they're doing there. For Mike Bradley, I'm Mark Potter. We'll talk to you Friday night right here on 94.3 Winks FM. Don't forget, SourceSportsMD.com. And don't forget to share this podcast, too. Maybe somebody else you know would like to hear it. We appreciate that you spent your last hour with us right here on Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.